1: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach, put it in context, educate, Call me at one 800 743 cbc or tweet me at Jim Kramer. You know what we want? We want a normal stock market that trades on traditional metrics. How about earnings? How the sales? How's the sector? What happens if the Fed raises rates? Hmm, who knows? But even on a crazy day like today, where tech let us down before rebounding, while the rest of the market stayed down, the Dow sinking 474 points, SB losing point eight seven percent, NASDAQ finished. The session off just 0.09 percent. Nice recovery there from the lows. We keep acting like this is a usual time. This is anything but unusual. But I mean, think about it. We're living in the shadow of a pandemic. Only about 35 percent of the country has been fully vaccinated. We celebrate the fact that fewer than 40,000 people caught COVID in America yesterday. That's still really bad. If we had seen a number like that during the first wave of infections, we'd still be in lockdown. When we saw numbers like that at the end of September, we were in panic mode. The truth is, we just got used to the pandemic, and of course, there are far fewer deaths because there's more ways to treat the virus. Plus, we've got the hope of herd immunity as more people get the vaccine. But COVID's still very much with us. Meanwhile, our efforts to combat COVID and get the economy roaring again have created some incredibly unusual circumstances. We still have what might be some to be considered uh, overly generous unemployment benefits that make it hard for businesses to find workers. We have to pay twenty two dollars an hour at my restaurant to match what unemployment benefits can give you. And we can't afford it. We just have to close. People apply for work as they're supposed to, but then they don't even show for their employment. Why not? It's hard for businesses to adjust to a world where the workers can just do fine without a paycheck. We've got eviction freezes, hundreds of thousands of businesses have closed. We still don't know what the protocol is for anything. Mask or no mask, test or no test, cruise or no cruise. Will people be compelled to take a vaccine? Will they pay to take a vaccine? Do we have to take a vaccine? I don't know. Who knows? Do you know? So it's possible that many of the national numbers, like the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report last Friday, could be completely distorted. Plus, the reopening trade that everyone loves is all about the expectation that the vaccines will stay positive, working, fighting against COVID. And that the COVID variants are crushed. And we can actually go somewhere, anywhere that's actually open. When we have a situation that is as confusing as this one, I like to turn away from the government data and go directly to the business people I trust who've done so much to stem this pandemic. People like Robert Ford, the CEO of Abbott Labs. This is the company that pioneered antigen testing for COVID. They make all sorts of proprietary devices for diabetes, the heart, the brain, among so many other organs. Abbott can help us make sense of the moment so that we can develop a worldview that puts things in perspective. I spoke to Robert Ford at CNBC's Healthy Returns event earlier. Take a look. I happen to have in front of me Binax now to test. Uh, I've used it. Why have I used it? Because I went went, uh, out of the country. And I wanted to know that I was OK. Uh, I want to know, uh, Robert, as we get more and more vaccinated, we'll be using Binax uh, now less or is it going to be a fact of our life no matter what? We're going to find it a world region, CVS and stockpile. Well,
2: listen, uh, from the beginning, as you as you know, we, we went all in um, and we went all in, Jim, because we knew that, you know, we had a responsibility to develop the you know using our diagnostic leadership. Uh, to develop uh, the test, not only for pandemic phase, but also for vaccine phase. Um, you know, if we're going to rely solely on vaccine, which I think we've done a, an amazing job from the development to the rollout. Uh, but if we rely solely on it, there, there, you know, it's not as complete as you would like, you know, whether it's uh, the penetration rate of vaccines, we know that some states have higher rates than others. Uh, the longevity, we still have to learn a little bit more about how the booster strategy is going to play into this and then mutants. So, So we always believed that COVID was going to be part of it and uh, sorry, testing was going to be part of it. So uh, but not the testing that we remember from a year ago. Right. The You know, in your car for four hours, one hundred and fifty dollars, wait four or five days. Right. What you're holding up in your hand is is where we see that complementarity to the vaccine strategy, which is. You know, rapid testing at affordable price, which is accessible to everybody. And that all comes together, uh, where together with the vaccine rollout, we'll, uh, we'll be in a better spot, uh, to get back to normal. Uh, I think a lot of progressive companies that want to get back, uh, their employees back to the office, schools with kids, uh, hotels with guests. I mean, you name it, the hotel leisure, you know, to, to think about buying these tests and providing them free of charge to your employees uh, is definitely a way to kind of augment your strategy of bringing everybody back and, and opening up vaccines plus testing. OK, well, let's talk about something even bigger. It, it's a coalition that you created.
1: Uh, this is the Abbott announces its Pandemic Defense Coalition, a global network of expert collaborators designed to help prevent vi- uh, future pandemics, currently searching for COVID-19 variants. Now, Robert, I didn't know this, but when the Federal Reserve surveyed money managers, the thing that they are most worried about is the variants. Are we overdoing it or are we absolutely right to be worried that that could derail the, uh, the economy even?
2: Well, I I think you have to, I think what we've always taken a view here is that, you know, because of our experience in infectious disease testing, uh, we've, we have a group, uh, we call them the virus hunters, Jim, and they're constantly looking. They're constantly looking for new viruses. And in this case, we set up a team to be able to monitor all the mutations that could exist. And I think if we're ahead of it, if we put the resources in place, and we partner because it can't just be a U.S. thing. You have to partner with all the countries, all the universities, all the different collection sites. Then I think that's the way to go. Um, if we just sit back and say, OK, it's done, it's it's played its course, then, yeah, then we should be worried. But I think if we're working proactively to, to monitor, to chase these mutant, uh, these 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 mutations, uh, I think that's the way to do it. And, and we've been in this business, you know, for, you know, over four decades doing this. So this is the way to do it. Uh, it is a broad coalition. And uh, our scientists are, are on top of this. Uh, is it coordinated well with the government? I find that the government is really the NIH. It's the FDA. It's the CDC. And I'm never sure who to listen to. Uh, Well, listen, any any uh, any response like this, you have to coordinate against uh, uh, with with all uh, with all uh, agencies here in the U.S., but even with other governments. So uh, we're working with you know, we work with the FDA, we work with the NIH, we work with other uh, other other academic institutions outside the United States in other markets. And that's how that's how you got to do it.
1: All right. So let's let me get to something that is a a sensitive topic uh, in my house. My wife got the J&J. I got the Moderna. She only had to get shot once. I had two. But it looks like from the percentages that I'm going to be in better shape than her. Uh, should she be testing much more because she got the J&J, which is a, at a percentage base known to be less effective?
2: Um, I I would say I I wouldn't make a distinction between testing, depending on the on the on the vaccine that you've had. Uh, I think what the what the industry has done on the vaccine is is incredible. Um, And I think that, um, as I said, you know, you uh, you could still carry the virus. You could still you know, you could still transmit it to other people that haven't taken the the vaccine. So I think uh, just. You know, easy, frequent testing, like the the product that you've pulled up, um, I think that's the way to go about it, independently of w- which vaccine you've taken.
1: And when you're in a crowd, maybe you go overseas, take them with you,
2: right? Uh, I mean, that's that's the other thing. I think the CDC is now uh, allowed for you to be able to take these antigen tests overseas and then test them. Uh, and then show that result of, uh, of proof, uh, to be able to kind of come back into the U.S. So, uh, that, that's another great step forward. And again, you could probably stop by the pharmacy, uh, near your, near your, uh, near your, your, near the airport or, you know, assume you might be able to see these in airports. Uh Binax now is around 20,000 pharmacies uh, in the U.S. We'll probably get to 30,000 by the end of this week, Jim. So there's going to be right. plenty of availability of tests.
1: Well, you uh, guys are pros when it comes to testing. And uh, those of us who had kids who played sports or us, we didn't even know about it. But concussions, you have got something that tests for concussions, which we think many people involved in sports are the bane of, of high school sports
2: and junior high sports. Where are we with this? So it's interesting. All during COVID, we're doing everything with COVID testing, but then we also have all of our pipeline. And, and what our scientists were able to do to keep the pipeline going was, uh, was spectacular. And one of those key products was a, a rapid test to be able to detect mild concussions, or traumatic brain injuries. Uh, our team was able to identify the two proteins that get produced when you have uh, a traumatic brain injury, and uh, we've been able to develop a test for it. This is the actual instrument that it'll go into. Uh, the current test we have, Jib, is actually, uh, it uses plasma, so you take the sample of blood, you then got to prepare that sample, and then put it into the test. Uh, we're working on a, on, on, a, on a trial now to be able to do whole blood and with kids. Uh, so then you'd be able to prick a finger, put it on the cartridge, on the test, on that instrument I just showed you, and then be able to get the results. And I think that's exactly what's kind of motivated us. If you think about, uh, all the elementary schools, high schools, all the colleges, you're talking about hundred thousand plus institutions, uh, all doing sports. And, you know, the current methodology today is if you think you have a concussion, you get taken out of the game, you then go to a hospital to maybe do a CT scan. Um, with this test, once we, once we develop the right, uh, clinical data to be able to support the whole blood indication, uh, and to be able to deal with kids, uh, you'll be able to kind of do a test in 15 minutes and get the result right there. Um, and if, and if it's negative, then the kid can go back and in, back into the game. That was Robert Ford, the CEO of Abbott.
1: Well, Mad Money tonight. A firm has all you could ask for from a good fintech story. But with the market firmly against these names right now, is it still worth considering here? I'm sitting down with the CEO after earnings. Then Roblox just reported for the first time as a public company, and the stock is soaring. I've got the exclusive with the CEO fresh off the earnings. And J2 Global has not had a remarkable comeback. But could the company behind the likes of Retail Me Not and Mashable continue heading higher? I've got the CEO. So stay with Kramer.
3: Even
1: if your tech stocks bounced off their lows today, this group continues to get no respect. Look at Affirm Holdings. It's a promising financial technology play that uses their tech to give consumers installment loans when they're trying to buy things. Affirm came public in January initially soared from $49 at the IPO price to $90 at the opening mid-140s at its February highs. But in three months since then, the stock has been relentlessly hammered, and it keeps going down even on really good news. For example, last night, Affirm reported a genuinely great quarter. This was a clear top and bottom line beat. With much higher than than expected sales and a surprise operating profit. A firm's gross margin volume was up 83% year over year. Even better, they gave incredibly bullish guidance for the next quarter and raised full year numbers. Stocks started ticking up in after hours trading, but then we woke up this morning and a firm shares got crushed along with the rest of tech. Well, put it this morning, it was down 18%. I mean, come on, a new all time low. When tech rebounded this afternoon, the firm was able to make a comeback, although the stock still finished down nearly 3% for no particular reason, except that it's out of style at this moment on Wall Street. As long As as you're patient, I think this one is worth picking on weakness, but don't take it from me. Let's check in with Max Levchin. He's the founder, chairman and CEO of Affirm Holdings. To get a better read on the quarter and where his company's headed, Mr. Levchin, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you so much for having me. Max, it's been too long. Uh, By my count, five years, and you've been up to some great things. But in particular, I want to hear... About a firm in your own words, so people can understand the value proposition for the consumer and the merchants can understand the value proposition for their books. Super simple. Basically, if you're a
6: consumer and you're tired of paying late fees and trying to read the fine print that the credit cards are trying to stick you with just to figure out how they're going to make money on you, choose a firm. We are an alternative to credit cards, we're integrated in all kinds of exciting merchants all over the web you can also use our app and that opens it up to all merchants out there entirely and uh we treat you right we will not charge you a late fee been around for 10 years never made a penny in late fees never done anything gimmick or tricky uh it's it's a great way to uh, to pay for things online from uh you know you can do, use it at walmart you can buy a peloton with it and on the merchant side of the equation It's a really, really powerful way of uh, driving incremental transactions. There's plenty of consumers, especially young ones, that have put down their credit cards and decided that they're going to just understand the personal finances, pay for things over time is great, but not if you're evolving, not if you have compounding interest. And that is exactly the alternative that we are. And so consumers use a firm when they want honesty and transparency, and merchants get more incremental buyers that seek that uh, as they consider the purchases.
1: When we think of honesty and transparency on the merchant side, we do think of Shopify. They've been a frequent guest on our show. They could pick anyone, obviously, to affiliate. They picked you. How is that relationship going?
6: It's great. they are actually very, very excited. So uh, just, just yesterday, uh, I had to correct myself. Uh, so we, I, I, as you implied, so we, we have an exclusive partnership with Shopify and we've been testing all the technology, all the plumbing between the two companies for about a year. We're just about to bring it to GA uh, next month. And uh, in the last 30 days, we start to slowly bring on some of the uh, the merchants on Shopify. And so uh, in a press release, I said 10,000 merchants are alive and very excited to go. But between the time I drafted the press release and uh, the earnings call, it went up by another 2,500. So it was 12 and a half. And uh, the number keeps growing. So uh, we are very, very excited about this. This is something I've been waiting for and building towards for for quite some time. Well,
1: leaps and bounds, and it makes plenty of sense. And the merchants, Uh, are incredible, including Walmart, the largest merchant. They've been with you pretty much forever, haven't they?
6: Yeah, it's been a great partnership. We're very, very proud of our relationship with them for quite some time there.
1: Now, I wanted to ask you, some people were saying to me, look, be careful on this one. Once things open up, people are not going to be shopping at home, not going to use a firm. But I think the best measure of the opening is travel and leisure. And when I looked at the numbers for travel and leisure, I had to believe that you are an opening trade as well as a closed trade.
6: That's exactly right. Uh, In fact, here's a cool stat. So uh, we grew. 50% 50% year on year, and so this is really important, the quarter we just reported is still being compared to the pre-COVID quarter. So travel was growing pretty well if you go pre-pandemic, and then year, and of course it collapsed. And so the 50% growth year on year is pretty great. But if you compare the sort of a last quarter to the one we're reporting, it's tripled. And so travel is just experiencing an incredible secular growth as a sector, and we're right there with it. We announced partnership with Icon, which is a, a ski a pro, a pass provider. We have Verba as one of our customers. Uh, we announced American Airlines, most recently Delta Vacations, another customer of ours. We're really primed to take advantage of, of the recovery of travel and ticketing in particular. On the flip side, though, what's really cool is that we just trained a huge percentage of Americans that buying things online is actually completely okay. My mom is well into her 70s and boxes have now been coming to her door for the last year. And I don't think she's going to quit. I think online shopping is going to be much more of a thing. We basically took a you know, 20% leap, and we're, we're not walking back from that. So we're well-primed to take advantage of both online and offline.
1: Comms. Now, uh, buy now, pay later, uh, Klarna, uh, PayPal, fuel getting, fuel getting too crowded. Can you distinguish enough with your technology that you're not concerned about profit margins?
6: You know, I think we're quite unique. Um, We are first and foremost a technology company, exactly as you just pointed out. And uh, we go where others can't because we can build solutions. I think it's great to be a marketing company. It's great to be a sales driven company and uh, so wonderful. But fundamentally, partnerships like Walmart and Shopify come because we can scale with the largest partners and build the best solution, something that really, really fits to build for them. That said, there's actually a lot of room in this market. The NPL is the single largest, single fastest growing piece of payments worldwide. And yet it's still just under 2% of overall e-commerce. So I think we, we have a lot of room to grow you know, for everyone. Obviously, I'm biased. I I think we'll win. But uh, there's a lot, a lot of commerce to uh, to still bring. One last
1: question. There was noise on the call, which was about Peloton, which actually is a great company. And I know, Mr. Foy, I, I think it's a terrific company. Obviously, they had a misstep, you know, and it's tragic what happened. But I did not sense that I should be thinking about Peloton hurting a firm, even though it's a big percentage of your business. I, and you had to ask risk it, I just need to know I, should I be worried if peloton's sales turned out uh
6: no, so i, I think uh, I think you're exactly right, so first of all it, it is tragic, and I am very saddened for you know for for what happened, but I do think that uh, Peloton is taking the issue right head on and uh, you know John is really stepping up to, to do what 's right, and so i' I'm, I'm, I'm very Thankful for what they've done for us as a business. And I think, you know, its partnership has been incredible for many years and they're just fine. They, they make great products and they'll do what's right and we'll be right there with them. That said, we, you know, we've stated everything about, you know, the financial expectations we'll see. They're fairly de minimis. It's not going to have a material impact on us and we we're very bullish on a partnership going forward. I think uh, he should not be worried about belt.
1: All right, excellent. I, I, that is my concurrence. But if I didn't bring it up, I think people would say, "Come on, come on, Jim." Anyway, Max, I, it, it, look. On any other day, I think we would have known what happened. The stock would have had a big move. So Max left the founder, chairman, CEO of a firm, a product that we like very much. And it's good to see you back on the show, sir.
6: Thank you so much. I'd love to come
1: back anytime. You'll have me. Many- now, look, I mean, the market doesn't like these stocks today, but you know that it could be tomorrow that people realize the growth that this company has. And money's back in.
3: Coming up, welcome to Metaverse. Kramer sits down with a company at the vanguard of one of Wall Street's hottest trends. Next.
0: You seek the key.
1: Roblox Run. This has been a brutal market for high-growth tech stocks, right? Especially ones that recently came public. But you know what? There's one that it isn't brutal for. Roblox. It's turning things around. This is a company that makes digital tools to help people design their own games. They've got a whole platform where you can share them, and it's beloved by children. Oh, man, I can't believe when I ask around. This is the game. When, what's the platform, I should say? When Roblox reported last night the first quarter as a publicly traded company, they knocked it out of the park on every single key metric. Bookings, daily active users, hours engaged, cash flow. Plus, they're going to give you monthly updates. It turns out that April numbers were pretty darn good, too. I like their whole style, their letter. It was so clean. Stock shot up more than 20% today. It's now back above where it started trading on the day of its direct listing in March. Can it keep climbing? I know the answer, but we're going to hear from the Founder and the chairman and CEO Dave Bazuki. He is just putting together an amazing company, Mr. Bazuki. Welcome
7: to Mad Money, Jim. Hey, thanks for having us on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. And we want to reach out to everyone in our community who's still struggling with COVID. It's a big day for us, but we do want to acknowledge that everyone's having a bit of a tough time out there. Well, I'm glad you
1: put it out. I mean, because your your communications with shareholders are heartfelt. And in addressing issues like COVID right up front, uh, you could have talked about your numbers. They're the best I've seen. But you also have larger issues. And but I do, because it is mad money, want to say that
7: you have the fastest growth of any publicly traded company I know. Awesome, thanks, Jim. Well, every day, forty-three million people come to our platform to play, to learn, to connect. We we believe this is an amazing way for people to come together. <laughs> And we've seen a lot of that over the last year as people haven't been able to come together in the real world.
1: There are a lot of people who tell me, Jim, this is going to end when things open. I I couldn't be more convinced that in this particular case, people discovered, and if anything, judging by, like say, the concert, the live concert that you had, judging by the engagement uh, where people are just discovering it by the day, that it turns out that we're very early in the infancy of what is a great secular trend
7: of Roblox. Yeah, we believe this is in a new emerging category that brings people together in a civil society, not just to play, but ultimately to learn together, to work together, to experience entertainment together. And over the last um, year, we saw more than play. We saw people connecting. We saw people hosting birthday parties. We hosted a lot of concerts that are amazing. So as you know, it's very early in what this emerging category is. Yeah, It's
1: funny. I was uh, with uh, my trainer whose daughter loves it. Okay, And I said, well, is it safe? And he said, well, look, as far as uh, an atmosphere that you could be
7: online, it's the safest I've seen. And I know you guys work hard to keep it that way. Yeah, we're we lean in hard. Safety is our top priority and, and we have an optimistic view. That when done right, we can foster civility. So we're we're optimistic that our platform can help make the world a more civil place by what people learn on our platform. Now, talk to me about the uh, about rope about Roblox.
1: Roblox seems to me, uh, if I were, if my children were younger and they were good, rather than giving them an allowance or giving them money, I'd be buying them this. I'd be buying them extra, and that's apparently what, what parents are doing
7: yeah it's it 's exciting because we 've created a virtual economy powered by over eight million creators who are making everything on Roblox, all the experiences the avatars the clothing it 's all created by these creators. Roblox is the way these creators turn their hobbies into large businesses, studios with forty or fifty people and we 're excited that there 's a lot of progression from learning to hobbyist to small developer and ultimately to large studio on our platform, powered by this virtual currency. Now, but it's
1: important to talk about, I mean, you're just talking about something from 1989. People think this thing came out of nowhere. And you have worked forever to be able to address issues that, I like this, I'm going to use the term, you're going to explain it to me. Two terms, metaverse and human coexperience. I came across these in your documents, but I need help. What are they?
7: Yeah, we don't First off, there's a lot of sci-fi writers, futurists, authors who've been talking about this for a long time, whether it's the Metaverse or Human Co-Experience platform. But it it is ultimately the vision that people will come together to learn, play, and work in immersive 3D environments. These environments will become more and more realistic. They'll become a a great way to connect. Um, We'll have an education in addition to reading and watching videos Uh, Students will go to ancient Rome together and experience ancient Rome. Schools will have sister cities around the world. Uh, We're prototyping our Roblox town halls in Roblox as a way to connect. So it's really early on this what this platform and technology, we believe, can bring. Well, I do think that uh,
1: there'll be people who say uh, how much Roblox will be used when everyone's out there playing games, when everyone's out there running around. But I I look at it as the replacement for of TV that, yes, people are going to do exercise
7: and and they're going to read books, but they will use TV less and Roblox more. We I mean, we want COVID to end. We want everyone to get outside, get back to normal and be outside and do all that great stuff. What's really interesting about metaverse experiences is is they're not just consumed, they're interactive. So instead of watching the video about ancient Rome, you and I would go there, we'd feel what it's like. And these experiences are going to get more and more realistic as the technology advances and as computing power increases. Well, i got to tell you something, Dave. I think that portfolio
1: managers who don't have kids don't know the stock. Portfolio managers whose kids have grown up. Don't know the stock, which is why I am so confident that your stock is going to go up substantially that I picked your stock in the CNBC stock contest. Because I am convinced that as people who don't have kids or people who have grandchildren know about this and your kids are reaching the older audience, this is one that's just going to gain steam over time. I'm not kidding, Dave. I really feel very strongly. I would not have picked this as the best stock that you have between now and the Super Bowl, which is the length of time that we
7: have. You've got a big runway. Jim, out of respect to you and appreciation for your show, I have to say.
1: (laughs) You are too much. Well, look, I thank you for selecting our show. You can go anywhere. But you knew I love your company. And I think what you're doing is fabulous, Dave. I really do. David
7: Thank you, Bazzucchi. Jim, and thanks to our community. Oh, yeah. Well, you
1: have, it's a real community. And everyone's got to check it out. Dave Bazuki, founder, chairman, and CEO of Roblox. That's RBLX. Thank you so much. Guys, I, I know it sounds strange that a stock could be up 10, 11, and I'm telling you to buy it. I'm telling you to buy it. Get yeah, money's back. Get
3: Coming up, after turning in a sparkling earnings report, can the magic continue for J2 Global? Kramer's got the CEO next. When the
1: economy booms, so does advertising, especially now that the travel and leisure cohort is back in business. Look at J2 Global, the digital media company with a cloud services kicker. You might recognize them for some of their brands: IGN, Mashable, Humble Bundle, Retail Me Not, Everyday Health, and SpiceWorks, among so many others. J2 is in the process of spinning off part of their cloud business as more of a secure data exchange for the healthcare industry. I like I like them both here, but what we care about more is this core digital media business because J2 Global gets the <laughs> the bulk of its revenue from advertising. Its stock has been on fire, more than doubling from its last July. And we know business is good because last night the company reported yet another blowout quarter. Third in a row, tremendous 52 percent earnings beat off dollar sixty-six basis, higher than expected sales, and management raised their guidance for good measure. Now, uh, in response to stock rally food bucks. though I think it would have been up more if he had gotten not one of the worst days of the year. So let's dig deeper with Vivek Shah. He's the CEO of J2 Global. Learn more about the quarter and his vision for the future. Mr. Shah, welcome back to Mad Money.
8: It's great to be here, Jim. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. So, Vivek, First, uh, the company's doing so well, I'm going to ask the obvious question. Why do you have to split it in two? I love what you're
8: doing. Well, look, Jim, we've got two great companies here. We've got an HCIT company, which uh, is the SpinCo called Consensus, And then we have the RemainCo, J2, which is a great Internet business. And honestly, I think they're both underappreciated. And I think part of the reason they're underappreciated is that they're inside of one company. By splitting them into two, we give them dedicated management, dedicated focus, their own balance sheets and two investable companies with a clear set of peer groups. And so I think this is going to create a tremendous amount of value. And I think it's great to do it from a position of strength. You know, I, I get that. I mean, you did have a nearly 40
1: percent growth for your digital media segment. And I want to see that pure. I want that pure play. That's the fastest of the ones I follow in, dig- in digital advertising.
8: Absolutely. And I think, look, I think the forces of digitization have never been stronger and they map really well to the portfolio of the company.
1: You see, I didn't think yesterday We had a bunch of people saying that we have the peak in online. And I think that you would tell me, since I've known you for a long time, that's actually probably a false narrative.
8: I think it's a false narrative. And I think the report you're, you're referencing, I think, it was talking more about the multiple expansion that's taken place Correct. in parts of the industry. Unfortunately, we haven't participated in that yet. yet. So so we're posting uh, the performance and the results and hopefully the valuation starts to catch up.
1: Okay, let's talk about consensus for a moment, because one of the things that I have to tell you, Vivek, I didn't believe it until I read deep into yours because there was a a raid against you. You just said, Jim, look, let me do the numbers and then we'll see what happens to the stock, which is the way to approach these things. But one of the things that I said was like a fax business. I mean, yeah. a fax business, but it turns out that there are that fax is the way that some people do things still.
8: Now, look, and, and remember, this is a cloud fax and digital fax business at Consensus, which we're spinning off, which is is not is not the machine and, and physical paper based business that you may know. If you think of it differently as a document transfer business where medical documents need to move in a HIPAA compliant and secure fashion, this business does that and what it's replacing are on-prem solutions. So view it, consensus in the near term to me is really a play on the shift from on-prem to cloud. Longer term, where the company is really focused is going from a document centric to a data centric construct, right? When we say medical records today, that's often a document. What consensus is trying to do is turn that into data and then make that data freely available and movable across the entire healthcare ecosystem. It's an exciting company, does $340 million of revenue. It has margins of, of around 55%, great free cash flow. It's going to do very well on its own.
1: Now, you have a history of doing M&A, and I like you're doing M&A. There are some people who are saying, oh, he's doing that M&A again, but the uh, shot may be the best M&A guy I've ever met. I want you to do M&A. Are there still prospects out there?
8: Absolutely. So, you know, part of of what we're doing here is to ensure that the company that I'll run, the Remain Co., which is the Internet uh, business, the digital media business, will be well capitalized to continue on our programmatic and systematic approach to M&A. We have a total growth mindset, which means we're going to put capital to work, to grow organically, as well as to acquire businesses where we feel we have a unique path to creating value. As you know, Jim, we've been very good at monetizing audiences. I think we've done it in places and in ways that others haven't. And we think it's a playbook that we can continue to run against uh, acquisitions in the verticals we're in, as well as verticals that we'd like to get into. Any high-value vertical where we can get valuable audiences that show real intent is where we'd like to be focused. For those who are deeply
1: involved in this, and I think there are many uh, you 've got an interesting breakdown of uh, your performance marketing was the biggest forty seven percent subscription only twenty two uh, display thirty some do you want to be subscription bigger a lot of people tell me subscription's a better
8: business look I, you know it's, I look at it as recurring revenues and so if you look at all three of those they 're highly recurring so we have and so there 's a great deal of, of predictability uh, you know a great deal of stability in, in those businesses so i don 't I don't have a favorite amongst the mix. I think the most important point is that we have a mix. So we're not a single monetization internet company. We are a multiple monetization internet company. So the, the ability to extract multiple rents from our audiences will always be core to what we do. Certainly at some periods of time, some will perform better than others. But having that diversification, I think, is the most important part.
1: Well, you put together an empire and it's just going to grow and grow. And look, people are going to want both pieces, frankly, but for different mindsets. Vivek Shah, CEO of J2 Global. Well done, sir. Thank you very much, Jim. Remember, someone took a very big shot at these guys. It was unfair. And all they did, they didn't want to come on and explain themselves. They just said, Let's do the numbers and see what happens. Well, I see what happens. You get hundred and twenty dollars,
3: stock, Mad Money's back into the break. Just chill out. Just chill, Master Jay. The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up. When Mad Money returns.
1: It is time to serve the lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? To keep that over the lightning round. let some start with David in Michigan. David,
0: oh yeah, mentor Kramer. It's good Booyah. to see you back in the uh, set. Good deal. Love it being
1: here. What's up?
0: Oh, well, my stock has been crashing since dinosaurs roamed the earth, and I'm wondering what in the world is going on with Broadcom AVGO.
1: Oh, look, we're on it for action alerts. I mean, you know, look, it's a high multiple stock. It's got uh, a lot of people spooked because it does make parts for Apple. People worried about Apple. I think that's crazy. Uh, It's supported by a dividend. It's got great management. Uh, We decided on our conference call that I'm going to do Thursday for the club that we're going to bless it. We just think it's too cheap to sell. And this is FractionAlertsPlus.com, my travel trust. So uh, I'm holding on. Let's go to Joshua in New Jersey. Joshua. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great today, man. A great thing, and you're making it even better. I'm doing great. So, I'm doing great. What's up? I got a lot of pizza. I do a lot of PT at 3 30 in the morning. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I see you up early, and then you're up late at night still doing shows. I don't know how I got do a lot up, to, to do I got a lot I got to accomplish. I don't have a lot of time. What's going on? All right, CCJ. I'm looking at uranium, I'm looking at mining. I'm trying to think outside the box here. It, it's not, you? you know, every periodically we get these like cicadas. There's a cycle of uranium. It's like we've got a uranium cycle going. I have to tell you, I think that you want to hop off the uranium cycle at a certain point, but I recognize the need to play these things. And thank you for the kind words. Now let's go to AJ in New York. AJ. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hope the Family does too, and they're all watching now. They're all coming up on Saturday for my graduation from SUNY Oswego, so this is a great way to start the week. Because younger people watch this show, and we are thrilled what's going on. Tim, my question for you is about Contour Brands. I bought back in November. I'm up about 97. Oh, I I love Contour Brands because I am a denim believer. I'm going to throw in Levi's. I think both of them. No, I'll make it a threesome. I'm going to throw in Gap Stores. All of them work. I like your style. Now I want to go to Michael in Maryland. Michael. Hey, Jimbo, it's Michael from Whiskey Bottom, Maryland. Booyah. Whiskey Bottom, it's a new city for me. What's going on? Quick question. I was
2: into EVs and I heard you talking about Hennessy Capital a while back. So I went ahead and purchased some at about 1728. It's gone down a lot. I purchased some more than at eight, should be
1: seven eight three. Is this a hold or is this just dead money? Dead money. Dead money. Gotta be honest. Could have a little spike the way the Woodstocks did today, but you know, you gotta be very careful, because to me it sounds like that button. I need to go to Amy in Connecticut. Amy! Hi Jim. I'm a longtime listener and an Action Alert member. Yes, join me on the call Thursday. Texas Grill. Thank you. What's up? Jim, chi- um, I want to know about Chipotle. Mexican okay, drill, everyone what is dumping on Chipotle because because Chipotle had to raise the workers' wages from 13 to 15. If there was a place on earth that could pass on those costs, it's going to be CMG. I think the stock's a buy. It's the best run, and I trust them. I would buy, 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 buy Chipotle. I need to go to David in New York. David. Hey, Jim. Big booyah. Booyah back.
8: <laughs> so I'm calling uh, today about uh, Discovery, Inc. Right. I, uh, I bought it right after the uh, Arkegos sell-off there. I got it at about $42 a share. Okay. And uh,
1: since then,
5: it's gone down. Uh, right. Well, remember, you
1: know, David, we don't care where a stock is come from. We care where it's going to. And I think Discovery's just Okay. I'm going to say it's just okay. Like Viacom is just okay. These are just okay, And that's not enough for me to say buy a stock. I need to go to Robert in Florida.
0: Robert. Hey, Big Jim. Booyah. Hey,
1: Robert. What's up?
0: I wanted to ask you about ET, energy transfer. I've had it for a month. And after this whole pipeline fiasco. Robert, they're all going
1: up. You happen to be in the one that is the biggest. It's not my favorite. I like uh, Kinder Morgan, KMI, and I like e- Enterprise Product Partners. But yours is working, too. The whole group is working, and it's being brought up by an ETF that has all pipelines. And everyone's buying them, and that's why you can stay long it. But I prefer you to be in the best of breed. I need to go to Greg in Florida. Greg.
7: Hey, Jim. How you doing?
1: I am good, Greg. How about
7: you? Uh, great. Thank you for asking. I love your energy. Thank you. Uh, I, was call- I was calling on uh, Ali Financial.
1: What a horse that thing is. And you know what? It's still the cheapest financial. I wouldn't sell it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, stocks stop at zero. But we'd prefer they not get there. Kramer checks in on the beleaguered tech sector next.
1: People keep asking me, when is tech gonna bottom? When will the pain stop? The house of pain. When can they make a comeback? I always say the same thing. Let the stocks tell you. Let them be your guide. So how do you hear what the tech stocks have to say? Well, today the action spoke volumes. This morning a slew of tech stocks got crushed at the opening, then they bounced back. But they were the most expensive stocks out there. We're not talking about senior growth names like Apple that now traded almost a market multiple next year's earnings. No, the winners today, they're the equities I call the Wood stocks in honor of Kathy Wood from Arc Investment. While Wood and her funds own a variety of stocks, the ones she absolutely loves are great companies, just with highly valued stocks like Spotify, you know I like that, Twilio Square. While the underlying companies are doing great, their stocks got too high, especially when rates went higher and inflation heated up. And they spent the last few months rolling over. But today's bounce bounce back, it tells me this, tells me these high-flying tech stocks, in some cases, have come down enough from their highs that you can start, don't put all, start some positions. And what am I talking about? Tesla. I think Tesla can be better. Uh, something we talked about last night's off the chart segment because the legendary Larry Williams thinks Tesla's a great Memorial Day play. I think it's more than that. I do, of course, you want to buy it close to the holiday, but you got my blessing to start buying right now if you don't have any. Geez, the stock is down huge. However, while you can start building a position and buying them on the way down, I am not ready to call bottom in the Woodstocks. There are a few problems. First, we had really high expectations for PC sales this year, but now we're learning that notebooks have weakened dramatically, and that just kills the entire narrative. If we have lower notebook sales, what's next? Now, these are not wood stocks, but I mean, how do you own HP, Inc.? I mean, do we need to sell Best Buy? I mean, all kinds of semiconductors go into these laptops, especially processors from Intel and Kramer Fave AMD. The latter is diversifying away from the PC with the acquisition of Xilinx, but Intel has no protection. Now, the whole food chain may be at stake. Can we trust Micron? How about Texas Instruments? Can we buy the red-hot semiconductor capital equipment names Are they no longer red-hot applied materials in the Research, the ones that were supposed to make a fortune off the chip shortage? I say not yet. When will they be safe to buy? Not clear. For many of these fast-gun and high-growth money managers, it's looking like 2022 could be a down year for the companies I just mentioned, and down years are ugly. We'll have to wait to see if some economic numbers on inflation and retail sales spook the bond market, and that would send the Woodstocks down, too. Second problem with coin bottom: as great as the reopening trade has been for retail and travel and homes, the end of the lockdown trade has been a nightmare for TAC. Just when the home office has been built out, many companies are saying enough is enough. We aren't going to take your Zoom calls, Woodstock name anymore. Either see us in person or don't see us at all. That's brutal. Hey, no more home offices, please. Third problem, we've still got a ridiculous glut of enterprise software and financial tech stocks. These are There are so many of these, and so many that you can't possibly separate the bad from the good. You just have such a plethora of them that unless a company's got something unique like Roblox, which you heard from earlier, with its loving fan base that's growing exponentially around the globe, Uh, Well, uh, with user-generated content for some big gross margins, it can't stand out. We can't make enough Robloxes, which is why the stock shut up 21% today after that quarter. There are no knockoffs. Uh, But maybe there are too many outfits like Affirm. Too many companies that use technology to differentiate themselves in pretty much identical ways, even if they are terrific with great management. Just a very crowded pool without a lifeguard. And they keep throwing more stocks in. Plus, again, don't forget, especially you younger investors, if interest rates go higher, no one wants to touch these highly valued stocks to trade on a price to sales basis rather than earnings. So when will tech bottom? The answer is you got to take it case by case. And sadly, right now, only so many cases are working, with many more that won't work and some that are just fooling us. Let me put it another way. The Woodstocks got real oversold today and rebounded. But we, until we get to Memorial Day, I think this part of tech is merely a short-term trade and not an investment. I like to say there's always one market somewhere and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer.
0: See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.